0: I'd like to welcome you to Rad Real Estate. Each episode, you'll join me while I do a deep dive into various topics related to selling and buying real estate. I'll talk about the state of the market, how to negotiate a contract, getting a home ready to sell, what to look for when buying, how to buy with a builder and what to expect, what's in the economic news, market trends, and how it all relates to real estate. I'm your host. Richard Dombrowski, and this is Rad Real Estate. Well, hello folks, and thank you for joining me once again on Rad Real Estate. It is so great to have you here with me in our final episode for 2022. I feel like doing a real estate podcast, I would not be doing my job to you, as a listener, if I didn't also talk about buying a home without a realtor. I know that sounds counterintuitive to my profession, but I think it's necessary to talk a little bit about those things and to give you some education on how you could do that successfully and um, and maybe, maybe, maybe just save yourself a little bit of money. But well, I'm going to talk about some of the pitfalls of that at the end of this podcast, but at the beginning here, let's just start out with what you need to do to purchase a home without a realtor. And obviously the first thing that you're going to do is is need to find a home. You're going to have to search and you're going to have to use one of those online tools like Redfin or Zillow or Realtor.com that helps you look for those things. And in there, you're going to need to figure out what your criteria is. What what are the prices in a particular area for a particular style of home? How many bedrooms and bathrooms? All the things that are important to you. Does it have a an attached garage, a detached garage, two-car, three-car, four-car? All of those types of things are really important to understand. What are the schools? Is that something that's important to you? Now, it's always interesting to me because I have a lot of clients that they don't have kids or never had kids or they're not at an age where the school system makes a difference anymore. But the thing to consider is that if you're purchasing a home in an area with good schools, that means that it will make your home that much more desirable when it comes time to sell it. So just something to, to keep in mind. Now, if, if schools are important to you, then understanding those schools' ratings is going to be important to you as well. not just being in close proximity to the school, but to make sure that the school in which you have a close proximity is rated well. What about are you close to work? What What other resources do you need to be close to that are important to you? Grocery shopping, that's something important to all of us, right? How close is that? Is it a day hike to get out to a close grocery store, or is it right close by? what about restaurants? What about traveling? If you travel a lot, probably being in some close proximity to the airport may make sense to you. What about expressways? If you need to get around town, often being close to the expressways is going to be pretty easy, or if that gets you to work and back. Retail shopping, you know, here in Florida it's awesome because we have so many beautiful, beautiful beaches. And do you want to be close to them? Or do you want to be close to the fine amusement parks that we have here? bush Gardens and Disney and Universal and all the rest of them that go along with that. Those are things to consider when you're trying to find an area that's important to you. There are so many other items that could be on your list. I'm just trying to give you some sort of an idea of what to start to look for. Um, you want to get pre-approved by a lender. You got to find a lender and how do you do that? Maybe it's through referrals from friends. Maybe you have a friend or a family member that used a particular lender that they had a great experience with and the that lender did a great job and so that's one good way to figure that out the other thing is that you want to make sure that it's a smooth operator you know somebody that makes the process really painless for you there's a certain amount of pain no matter what the transaction when you're purchasing like you're going to have to pull out all kinds of documentation because the lender is going to need to make sure that they're mitigating their risk as much as possible and making sure that you're going to be able to repay the loan so you're going to have to provide them with a lot of documentation about your your work history and your financial history, and that can only be expected. You want a lender that's going to give you constant updates, and they're going to be in contact with you all the time. You want someone with a lot of experience. Getting a newbie in the business may be a nice thing to do for the newbie, but it's not necessarily a nice thing to do for you because they may not have all of the information and resources at their fingertips and know how to work through the process smoothly for you. Once you've found a lender, you want to get pre-approved, and that process takes a little bit of time. And I'm going to talk about that in a future episode in much greater detail about how that process works and what a pre-approval is, what a pre-qualification is, because I think it's important for you to know that, and it's certainly important when you're shopping for a home, if you're ever getting to the point where you want to submit an offer, you're going to need a pre-approval in order to convince the seller that you have the wherewithal to make the purchase. We'll get into that in a future episode in more detail, but just put it in the back of your mind that you're going to need a pre-approval to get an offer submitted, Okay. So once you've found a home online or several options of homes online, you want to visit the home. You want to contact the sellers or their agent to find out about the home. The first thing is you want to be there. You want to see it in person. Pictures can be deceiving, especially now in this electronic age. We have so many people that are doing electronic staging, so you don't even know. Strike that. You would know because what's required when we virtually stage a home is that there's some notation under the photos that say that it's virtually staged, but not everybody does that. So you could be kind of um, lulled into a false sense of security about a particular home because it wasn't disclosed that the home is virtually staged. If you go out and visit the home, it'll take away all of those fears and all of that trepidation about not knowing. You could schedule a showing, so that you have your own time to see the home, or you can attend an open house if one is scheduled, which is always a good way, too. It also gives you the opportunity to judge how popular the home is, how many other people want to come out there and view the home, so it gives you a little bit of insight into how much competition there might be for an offer that you may submit. If you like the home, you're going to want to ask the agent or the seller for disclosures. And I would not, I repeat, not allow a seller to tell you they don't have any. Because this is where you can be very exposed or you can be protected. And if you want to be protected, you get them to give you the seller's disclosure, which talks about the roof, the ceilings, walls, windows, pool being free of leaks and that all of those things that I mentioned are structurally sound. And then on that seller's disclosure, there will also be a place to talk about any termite damage that may have occurred in the past that you need to know about. Because if there was a termite problem, maybe there will be a termite problem. Were those things repaired? The other thing is, was there any water intrusion from drainage or flooding? How about plumbing? Is the plumbing all sound and is that all in in good shape or have there been issues in the past? What about the roof? What, What was the date that it was installed? How about any leaks or repairs that were made to the roof? You want to know that the roof is a certain age because insurance companies are now saying that they won't insure homes in Florida that have roofs that are over a certain age. And it's important to know that about your insurance company, too. Some companies are a little more liberal, and some are far less liberal. I've heard in some cases that insurance companies are saying that they won't insure the roof on a home if the roof is older than 10 years. I mean, that's ridiculous, honestly. Unbelievable that the insurance companies can get, a, a get away with that. But they can. They have great lobbyists, I guess. The next thing that you'll see on the seller's disclosure is if there's a pool or a hot tub or spa at the home outside, um, any information about that, any leaks, does the heater work and so forth. What about sinkholes? Have there been any? Has there been a repair or a remediation to a sinkhole? Very important to understand that. And it's important to understand that for a couple of reasons. One is is there potential that there could be another sinkhole event or two? Is can the home be insured, um, knowing that there was a sinkhole there before? Next item would be: Is there a homeowners association, and are there restrictions? Is your membership in the homeowners association mandatory? What about uh, changes to any of the restrictions in that homeowners association? Are there shared driveways or fences or walls, boundary disputes that may be going on with the Homeowners Association or even with a neighbor? And then the next item would be any environmental issues. Was the home built before 1978? And if you've listened to past episodes, you'll remember that if a home was built before 1978, then there was likely lead in the paint that was used to paint the home. So you need to know that. was it built before 1978? What about any environmental hazard issues? asbestos mold, radon gas? Is there methamphetamine contamination? We're in Florida after all here and we are one of the nation's capitals for methamphetamine. And um, if somebody was was cooking meth in their residence, that leaves a contamination in that in that place that doesn't mean that the home can never be sold or purchased again but it just means that you need to understand what you're getting into very important how about any fuel propane or chemical storage tanks on the property or have any been removed The next item would be any governmental claims or litigation. Are there any legal claims or administrative claims affecting the property? Is somebody imposing eminent domain because there's a road being built through or or anything like that? Any county special assessment for the road or what have you? Any zoning issues, is the home or any part of it in violation to any zoning restrictions? Those are all things that you should know, and at the very least, the seller should let you know that there is a problem if there is, so again, you know what you're getting yourself into. There's a special disclosure for homeowners associations, and it talks more specifically about the funds or the fees that you pay to that homeowners association. Are they monthly fees, quarterly, annual, how much is it? What are the documents, what do they show as far as restrictions? What is covered under the HOA? Sometimes it's certain amenities, sometimes it's not. There's another disclosure that we've talked about in prior RAD real estate shows that talks about a Community Development District, or CDD. You would want to know if there is one because that adds to your tax bill. And you need to know how much that is and what is covered under that. Because sometimes community amenities like clubhouses and things like that, are they still fall under the CDD and not the HOA. But again, it gets a little confusing. So you need to understand that. What is the cost to you and what you get for that money? So once you've gotten all those disclosures, then you're going to want to perhaps make an offer on a home if you find one that you really like. And that could be as simple as a letter to the seller that offers a particular purchase price or a proposed purchase price. Any seller concessions that you're asking for if you want them to pay part of your closing costs or if there are any contingencies on the purchase of the home, like if you want to put in there that it is contingent upon an appraisal or it's contingent upon inspections, contingent upon financing, it's important that your letter discloses that. It should also disclose an expected time that you want to close on the home. Why is that important? Well, if you leave that open-ended, then either party can drag that on for a long period of time. Usually, by the way, you would go at least 30 days from the time the contract is signed until closing. So that gives the lender a chance to go through their process. If you're a cash sale or purchase, I should say, then that could happen relatively quickly. Uh, As soon as your inspections are done, you can close on the home. Um, You're going to want to add a deadline for the sellers to respond to your letter or to your offer. Because, again, you just don't want to leave that open-ended. You want to call out a certain deposit amount of money that you're going to put in escrow so that the seller knows that you are earnest in your desire to purchase their home. What does that mean? How much is that? That really depends. I think if you are really serious about purchasing someone's home, then, then you should show with your deposit. $5,000, 10000 $20,000. The more competition there is for a home that you're purchasing, meaning the more other buyers there are competing for that same home, the higher you want your deposit to be because it gives that seller peace of mind as they're reviewing all the offers. It just gives you a little bit of a leg up. The other thing that you want to consider is who's going to hold that escrow deposit. And my recommendation is that you have that held by a title company that you know of rather than the title company of the listing brokerage Uh, because it puts all the control in their hands and not in yours if something goes awry you're going to want that money back so that you can use it to go put it down on another home my suggestion if you're going to submit an offer you're going to want to make sure that if you're not using real estate agent that you hire an attorney to draft up that document for you or you can find a template online but you got to make sure that it's good for the state that you are in and keep in mind that if if your offer is accepted if you submit that letter to the seller and you've signed it and they've signed it and it's executed your purchase offer is binding so it's not a whim It's a legal document, so you really need to be sure that what you send to them protects all of your interests, and it should protect the seller's interests as well, but that's the least of your concerns. If you and the seller agree to the terms that you've sent in, then you have an accepted offer, executed and accepted, and now you're bound to all of those points in that letter or in that contract. So again, hire an attorney. The attorney should draw up the contract to protect you. It will also give you someone that helps make the other parties adhere to the specific requirements of the contract. The attorney could also conduct a title search, which is important so that you make sure there are no clouds on title. And what we mean by that is that no one else has encumbered the title. They haven't held any claims against that title, saying that property is mine, it's not yours. You want to obtain title insurance as well because the title search can only dig up so much past history. So you want to make sure that you're covered by insurance so that if somebody does come and say that the property is theirs, that it won't be an issue for you. You want to have the attorney record the transfer of ownership once you have a closing as well. And they record that with the city or county, township, what have you. And as long as we're talking about closing on your home, let's talk a little bit about that. You're going to be in close communication with your lender. Because the lender will need to be extremely involved in that process and you'll need to be in close contact with them so that they are sure to be providing the title company with all the information they need to assemble the closing document or the closing statement. And that is a back and forth process. So the lender... Communicates with the title company, the title company puts everything together, sends it back to the lender. The lender looks at all of that documentation. And there's several levels of d- scrutiny that go into reviewing that documentation to make sure that everything is copacetic. The lender will give their final approval and the title company will be able to close the home. So that's the, all the signing of the paperwork, which technically closes the home. The money gets transferred from the lender to the title company, from the title company to the seller, and part of it may go to the seller's lender if they had a mortgage. Part of the money may go to the homeowners association because there is some money still left due, which would have been exposed through what we call an estoppel letter that is requested from the homeowners association to get the correct and exact standing financially and if there are any violations of the homeowners association documents by that seller so you could see there's a lot of layers of this and a lot of things that are very important to make sure that you get figured out before you close on your home so getting that attorney which is going to be an expense for you is important but it's it's definitely gonna likely save you a lot of money and and a lot of heartache. Look, the reality is, is that as a buyer, you don't technically pay commission. The seller does. The seller pays it out of their proceeds, and that's expected. It's only in very, very, very rare situations where the buyer would pay any sort of commission. But so assume that the seller's paying their commission. Purchasing a home without a realtor, is going to require more work on your part. It's also going to require more time for you as the buyer. But depending on your knowledge and comfort level, spearheading the process yourself can amount to some savings. But like I said, the pitfalls are numerous. Let's talk a little bit about those. You may have the wrong paperwork or missing paperwork that protects you as a buyer that puts you at risk, that puts your deposit at risk. Those are things that you need to understand. Not all listings will be seen online in those systems that you would use from a third party like Zillow and Realtor.com and Trulia. Realtor.com is probably the most accurate, but it's not 100% which means that you may not be able to see all the homes that are available in a particular area because you're using those systems where a realtor system is 100% accurate, right? Understanding that is very important. Another thing that you need to make sure is that either you, your attorney, or with the help of a realtor, you can hold the seller or their listing agent or brokerage to certain standards, legal standards that they're required to uphold during the course of a transaction. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Realtors and brokers are required to commit to and uphold a code of ethics to which we commit when we become realtors, period. And someone needs to hold them to that standard. Well, in order to hold them to that standard, you need to understand that standard, And if you're doing this on your own, that could be problematic. The other thing that a realtor can do for you is offer you resources like an inspector, an inspector for the general inspection, wood-destroying organisms or termite inspection, well and septic inspection, pool inspection, indoor air quality inspections, and numerous other inspections that a property may require that your realtor would have As a resource, they would know inspectors who are good at doing those things. And by the way, we know those things through trial and error over time. We collect good resources for lenders and for inspectors. For a title company that might hold your your escrow deposit, you want a good title company to do that. And then you want a, a realtor that can help you even after the closing you need something painted, or you need a handyman, you need flooring done, you need your air conditioning or or heating system inspected or changed, we have the resources, we have the numbers for you to call. So that's my pitch. As a real estate broker in the state of Florida, that's my pitch at the end of my my podcast telling you how you cannot use me to purchase a home. Like I said at the onset of this particular episode is it would not be doing my duty to you in this podcast for rad real estate by not giving you some education on how to do this on your own. But that does not take away my my very strong advice that you should use a realtor To help you in purchasing a home. I hope that you got something out of this. I wish you a very, very happy new year, prosperous new year, healthy new year in 2023. Thank you so much for tuning in so far, and we will see you in 2023 next time. This has been a rad real estate podcast in cooperation with Bay Realty of Florida, LLC, a Florida-based real estate company. Episodes are written, directed, and edited by Richard Dombrowski. The views expressed on this podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests of the show and should not be used to make financial decisions or in buying or selling real estate. To find out more information, contact the host directly at Florida at gmail.com. The theme song is Action by Cube Sounds and can be found on Pixbay.